Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. It won't make dollars if it doesn't make sense. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking? I am very nice and I'm just drinking water. Yeah, I am not drinking anything. I just drank all my coffee. My French roast Allegro coffee from Whole Foods, thanks to Sean. You look wired, dude. I'm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I see you like, looking at me with dead eyes. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm real... I just finished my coffee. <laughs> I'm about to kill myself. The caffeine hasn't kicked in yet, and I'm going to make another cup. I'm going to do it. Another cup. So, I... Should, I just, should I just wait here? You're going to go make cup? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'll just Feel entertain like them with my songs. Just and... 15 minutes of dead air while Matt gets his <laughs> coffee ready. No. Um, no. I'm going to be all right for this for this episode. But uh, we're going to talk about index funds and investing myths. Huh? Yeah. Myths. It's a mythery. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, let's let's do some housekeeping. Let's do the thing we'd always do, which is if you got questions, we got emails that come back to you in a week or so. <laughs> uh, you can send your questions or just to say hello to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Uh, Andrew is in charge of the emails that come in. He's the smarter one here of the of the duo, and he is answering the questions as best he can. We are getting tons of emails, but we continue to answer. We, we will answer you. Please, please be patient. Yeah, yes. give me. Yeah, I will answer you in less than a week, guaranteed. I can't wait till you quit your job and all you do is answer listener emails. Well, as soon as I quit my job, then I this would be like easy for me to yeah. take care of. Yeah, I just like one, you know, a couple hours every day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I run all the social media stuff. So if you want to ask me specifically a question, you can ask it on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but we are looking for catchphrases, which we said at the beginning of the show. Today's catchphrase is: "It won't make." dollars if it doesn't make sense that's clever (laughs) and that's from at that kid 55 thank you for that and you can send those via twitter it's uh at money matters man that's our twitter handle our facebook account is facebook.com slash listen money matters and we have google plus and we have pinterest but i don't i don't really know to start reaching out to man on google plus because he he needs to expand (sighs) us into google plus i don't i don't even know the url because they don't have very friendly urls over there at google plus so it's like it's like plus.google.com slash 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 plus yeah come on because everyone uses plus in urls that's like what we do because you got to put the shift key you got to hit the you got to find it's a pain in the balls anyway uh, so that's it, and let's get started with this. Uh, these myths. I, I asked you a question on Google Plus. Said no one ever. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm I'm on it. I'm 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 trying. Anyway, let's get into the thing. Let's do yeah. the thing. Uh, you, I mean, you did the research on this. Uh, I, I don't even know if there's like I don't even know if I have any questions about. Uh, first of all, I actually really want to know. Like, and I and I think we've asked this. I've asked this a bunch of times. And I know we're gonna ha- like we're gonna talk to some like experts on certain things, but like, what's the difference between a mutual fund and an index fund? Um, because they're just it, funds, right? They're still the same concept of a collection of stocks and bonds, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, my I actually was at my parents' house this past weekend, and uh, you know we're talking whatever. My dad pulled me aside and, and schooled me on this. Ah. Um. So, uh, mutual funds. Uh, what happens is uh, the the main difference is is legal, 
between the two. And mutual funds, what happens is they have uh, the person who is running the investments and choosing how they invest. And there's actually a board of directors that are, that are elected to make sure that the fund is achieving what it should be and that like... So there are humans involved in managing this Mutual fund. funds. Mutual funds. Yeah. Okay. I mean, even, even if it's an automated thing, there's still a board of directors that's legally required. And, that, and that's pretty much like what uh, a mutual fund is. I I mean, and how does that differ from an index fund? So uh, index funds can be mutual funds. I mean, for example, Vanguard has many mutual funds and most of them are index funds. You know, index fund just means that it's, an index fund is like a type of fund, right? So you could have like Matt Givenisi's secret flavor fund and you can invest in whatever your secret flavor is. Or you could have an index fund, which is, you know, known to be like a broad market swath. Okay. Like like oil or the US economy or I understand. Clothing. Got yeah. it. All right, so give me some myths and let's let's uh, break them. Let's myth cool. bust this shit. <laughs> I'll bust this shit. So, I don't even know any. Like how do you uh... Well, okay, so as we go through them, I think you're going to you're going to know them because okay. it's the things that all of our our listeners ask and and it's just uh, yeah. So anyways, Myth number one is that indexing only works in efficient markets. What is so, indexing? I just told you what indexing is. An index fund. I mean, they, it, okay, so index fund, broad market swaths, not, not investing in the Matt secret sauce. All right, so investing in like the entire market instead of just like a subset of the market. So uh, like an index fund, right, in, invests in an index, and indexing is the act of creating the index. See this. All right, this is where. I, tell me if I'm being stupid here. What is an index, dude? I just I just told you so. An index, S and P five hundred. Okay, is an index. Is an index. Yeah. Right, like the Nasdaq is an index. I, um, okay, so it's okay. Just broad Russell, market shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just basically. So what um, is indexing, like the? So uh, in this uh, phrase. The indexing only works in efficient markets. They're saying in the, buying index funds as an investment strategy, as opposed to buying, Mutual you know, fund. Matt's secret sauce. Mm -hmm. And and well, that makes sense to me because it's you know if the market like in two thousand eight is doing really shitty. Index buying an index fund may not be the best option. You might be better off buying a mutual fund in like that, computers. That's actually that's actually uh, what we're going to discuss in myth five. Uh, but, uh. So, so that, so we'll, we'll get there. But the the thought is, yes, is that um, you know, when everything's, you know, it, when you think of an efficient market, maybe you'd think of like, I don't know, clothing. It's like a mature market, whatever. But if you think of an inefficient market, maybe it'd be like, um, emerging market, like a new market, or something. Yeah. yeah, something with like this social not, media. Yeah, whatever. And uh, it's it's not. I mean, it's not true. And um, the the reason it's not true, uh, <laughs> I, j I just fucking brain farted on right. it. Yeah. Um, ah, so so the reason it's not true is because uh, it, active investing versus passive investing, right? So you you would say that like um, indexing is passive, and in an inefficient market, if you were actively trying to find the deals and, you know, buy and, buy and sell stuff that yeah. you would do better. 
Um, and it. it turns out not to be true. Uh, and we, I have like all these cool graphs that I pulled from Vanguard and various other sites. And uh, basically, um, and it's broken down, for example, there's like large blend, which are like huge companies like GE, small blend. And these are like uh, active funds. Mm-hmm. And uh, over 80%, for example, of, of active investors in large markets don't beat the indexes. Like they underperform the indexes. Right. And then you say, oh, well, emerging markets, like you must be, you know, must be able to beat uh, over 75% of the people who try to actively invest in emerging markets don't beat indexes just of general, emerging. Yeah, just general stuff. I mean, because they are a part of that general market. Right. Right. So by in- investing in an index fund, you are essentially investing in like all the new emerging markets. Right. I and mean, you're, but you're also investing in all the you know markets that are not and, emerging. And it, it comes to the, the, the question of like, so you're investing in the broad swath of emerging markets. So as these emerging markets grow bigger, which they will, you'll make money. And the thought is, well, as an active investor, I'm going to go in and I'm going to pick the individual companies. Yeah. In these emerging markets, because I know what's going to succeed over just this market average. I'll tell you what. Like, uh, can I give an example of that? Maybe isn't a thing, but for instance, social media, right? Mm-hmm. There's a like over 200 different social media like websites out there, and I could, as an investor, invest in social media in general, right? Mm-hmm. Or I could invest in like Facebook, correct? Or you know. Quora or some like specific thing because I know that Facebook's going to be the best social media network. And mm-hmm. if I were to do that, you're saying I would be more, I would be better off investing in all of social media than trying to say pinpoint one specific thing that so, I think will do better. Yeah. So, Cause, so cause I guess, a- I guess the idea is the probability of you guessing correctly versus just investing in it all. Mm. Is better. I mean, it's just diversification. A- active investors, like almost by definition, are not like ones to hold long term. Like they're trying to buy and sell. And they're trying yeah, to they're beat trying the market. To make, yeah, they're trying actively to make money. like every day, like yeah. day traders and stuff, or just traders. So uh, you think like if you had bought Facebook in its IPO, you would have lost a hell of a lot of money. And I mean, if you waited, uh, you know, roughly a year, you would eventually have made money in Facebook. And maybe you will now make money in Facebook. Who knows? But what I could tell you is that you invested in a, a, an index of you know Facebook, Twitter, Quora, all of these social networks. Mm-hmm. Google Plus. You're, Google Plus, whatever. Mm-hmm, right. You're likely going to do good because social media has become huge. And it is, I'm sure, only getting bigger. Right. So the thing is, is like, as opposed to thinking that you know more than all of the other highly sophisticated traders out there and that you're going to beat them, why don't you just move with the market? Right. Okay. So, so that's, that's that. Um, and, and there was also uh, one – actually, uh, uh, no, no we'll, we'll keep going because I'll say it in another section. Please. So, yeah, I'm, just, I'm doing show notes in my head slightly out loud. Um, so myth number two is is who wants to be average? Me, I do. I absolutely want to be average. Well, so here's the thing: is you know you want to be average because we because it turns out that average is pretty damn good. But um, when because when people say like beat the market, they consider like these indexes to be the average. Yes. 
And it just so happens that um, most people are not beating the average. So these averages are actually better than average because most people are not beating them. So, um, and then it goes just along to what we were saying before about the percentages of active investors who are not beating the market. Um, like you're doing pretty damn good if you're just investing in the average over the long term. Yeah, like so. if you just had a giant fund that invested in the stock market in general. Like the U.S. economy. Yeah, like you'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you invest in the U.S. economy just as an index uh, like 20 years ago. Like we've done damn well, you know, just as a country. Yeah, there have been like recessions, whatever. Now, now you have like a nest in your house, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the yeah, thermostat. Yeah, the little thermostat, yeah. Yeah, I mean like, yeah, there's ups, there's downs. But, you know, when you, when you invest on a much broader scale – um, you don't have to worry about making individual silly mistakes like investing. Wait, why did the, you Why did you mention my nest? I, I don't know. I just thought of like a, an example of like how futuristic the country is, or or whatever. How we're I mean we're creating all we're innovating constantly, right? So we're creating while, new thermostats all the time. <laughs> seriously, yeah. We have, we have, now have like eight types of thermostats. It's crazy. Mm. No, I mean, I guess it was just that. Um, there, there's constant innovation, the, the constant march forwards and upwards. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I gave that. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> there, there's a, a myth number three is you get what you pay for. Well, wait, what, what exactly <laughs> was – I'm sorry. What exactly was myth number two? The myth, the myth number two is like basically, um, you know, who wants to be average? Like you wouldn't invest in an index fund because then you're just going to do average and I'm smart. Or, you know, I mean, not not me, but whomever is thinking this, you know, like, I'm smart. I can do this myself. I could clearly beat the average because I'm... um, So the myth um, is you can't beat the average. The myth is that it's going to be highly unlikely that you will beat the average. Like, there are people out there that do beat the average. And it turns out that roughly 15 to 20% of the people that exist and try and invest do beat the average. Bernie Madoff, for instance. Right. One of the ways to be the average is to lie. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, it does happen. It's a very small percentage. But mm-hmm. what happens is um, these indexes are called averages. And the, the whole point is that when only 20% of people actually beat the average, it turns out that the average is not average. It's actually better than right, average. Right, right. It's better right? than 20%. So, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, like, we're doing this strategy, you know, which is for the average investor, this average and investing. And it's safer. I mean, it's just, it's just you know. And, it, and it's passive. So the, the point is um, you don't go in there and try to always pick correctly because, first of all, statistically, you're not going to. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway. Right, so move on to myth number three again. So myth number three is you get what you pay for. And the thought is is um, a higher cost, like higher fees, uh-huh. right, can, can correlate to higher returns because uh-huh. these are – these are better investors. They know what they're doing, so you're paying for smarter people. Or higher ratings equate to higher returns. So these are these are Morningstar five star rated funds. You know, so they, you're just gonna crush it because everyone just says these funds are great. And you'll pay the extra fee in the hopes that hey, I'm paying well, the money so, because so fee, fee and ratings it. like two separate. Topics, right, yes. I understand. I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. but exactly. You're, I'm going to pay the fee. The fee is one percent, but clearly these are the gods of Wall Street, right? And so, yeah. And um, again, I have graphs, and we're going to include all these in the show notes. So yeah. You can you know see for yourself, but uh, it, it doesn't really like come that close. 
So, um, you know, mid caps where like the returns tend to be the best, like mid sized companies, because there's like large room for growth and, you know, not as much risk. Um, the funds uh, with the lowest cost will achieve almost a 10% annualized return. However, the funds with the highest cost will achieve about a 7% annualized return. So, lower fee funds, according to whatever research this is, do and, and better it, than higher cost funds. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is um, this is a mash of Vanguard and, and other companies that, that I've pulled together. Okay. But uh, the, one of the main reasons why uh, you outperform with lower fees is because um, investing is, is kind of like a, a zero-sum game. You know, the money you put in, uh, and then what happens is if you have – if you think of like – I'm sorry. Consider it like this. Um, imagine a bell curve, right? In the middle of the bell curve is the average, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have like your extremely uh, – great investors on one end and you're extremely bad investors on the other end, right? Now imagine you add a fee to this bell curve. What you do is you shift. If like you could overlay a bell curve on another one, you shift it over so that the median is now higher. So in order for you to actually reach average returns, Mm -hmm. you may need to earn 1% or more as compared to a no fee, I mean, or a very oh, no, low, yeah, fee. low fee. So what happens is you're paying 1% fees for these gods, you know, supposed gods uh, of investing, and maybe they are achieving great returns, but the returns that they advertise on the internet are before the fees are taken out. Sure. So after you subtract the fees, it's extremely likely that they're actually below the average. So by adding fees and the higher the fees are, they move the bar and actually make it more difficult for themselves to outperform the market. And I love how you used your hands to tell that story because I <laughs> I can see you. Yeah, so so I mean you're gonna have to see like I mean I'm trying to do bell curves with my hands. Well, I know, and, and a bell curve is just imagine like a hill, like it's, it's like exactly it's just like a, a hill, yeah, a, a slow steep upwards and it peaks and a slow steep downwards. Down, yeah, it's like yeah. All right, uh, well that's so. What's the lesson learned from this? So the lesson learned from that is you're going to extract you you can't be, um, uh, you, you can't be you can't confuse. Uh, these high posted returns with what you will actually receive because no one's going to advertise the returns after fees because no one's beating the average after fees. Like 20% of the people are being the average. So you have to understand that um, higher fees makes it that much more difficult for them to beat it. And then when they don't beat it, say say on face value they don't beat it, then you're that much worse because you're paying fees. Right. And that's that's why like everyone touts Vanguard because the fees are so low, like you are pretty damn close to exactly what the index does. Yeah. So the lesson learned for me is uh, just find funds with the lowest fees. Yeah, and then I just want to touch on the the ratings part because I, I found this really interesting. I thought you know there's this. Uh, I didn't know there was a rating system, but I imagine there had. So to be. there's this company called Morningstar, yeah, and they'll rate funds, and it's a one to five star rating system. Well, they rate stocks too, right? Um, or is it I, just I, funds. 
I, I, I'm actually not sure about okay. that, to be honest. I, I've only looked at them for funds. I think they just didn't rate funds because companies like, um, shit, what were those companies that, that were like SM? I forget. There, there are different ratings companies like Moody's. Ah, that's one of the examples. Moody's will rate companies as A, AAA, Got whatever, it. A plus, uh, and like bonds and stuff like that. So Morningstar, I'm pretty sure, is only funds. But, um, I thought that a five star fund was a killer fund, and I didn't really knew I didn't really know there was like much correlation between like. Basically, the 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 point is is that um. Five star funds, so uh, <laughs> they they underperform. I mean, like if you were to average everything out and you created a baseline, right, of like the average performance of all funds. Like uh, five star funds are likely to be minus one point three eight percent to that average. Four star funds minus one point two five percent, and then you go to one star funds and it's like minus point one five percent, and it just uh, basically it's not like you want to invest in one star funds, but there's actually a negative correlation with five star funds and them outperforming the market. So, I understand. I, I don't. I don't know if like Moody's. I mean, a, a Morningstar gets kickbacks, and so high fee funds get rated better. I, I don't know how they, their their algorithm, but the data suggests that there's a like an inverse correlation with highly rated funds and high performance. So you shouldn't choose them by because they're five star, and you. And the other thing with the myth is you shouldn't choose them because they have high fees. All right, so this is where I get kind of pissed off because <laughs> if I'm a new investor, you would think, yeah, like Morningstar sounds like a great, like they're rating it by stars, and that's easy for me to understand. And I'm going to be like, why wouldn't I want the one with the five star? Why wouldn't I want to be in that fund? Mm. Can we just put a list together of like funds that we think are good? Yeah. So actually, what I do is on. Um in that article that I wrote, it's like the the ultimate investment strategy blueprint, or, or I forget exactly the the name, but um, it, it's featured in the invest section of our site. At the bottom, I have a Vanguard section, yeah. and it's all funds that I invest in, and I list out the fees, the minimums. Um, I, I link to Google Finance. I actually do link to Morningstar as well, and the um the prospectus and stuff on Vanguard. But so, are you saying only Vanguard funds? Because I I mean, there has to be other funds out there that are that are low fees and that are still good besides Vanguard, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and say like, just re- I mean, look in your 401k, you're likely not going to have a choice. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm invested in non Vanguard funds because of my 401k, but I would say on your own, if you're investing, like you should be investing in Vanguard. Okay. Uh, myth number four. What is that? So it's, it's, Market cap weighting overweights, and and I'll have to explain. You will absolutely have to explain that. So, um, you have an index fund, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's a couple. So, say you have the S and P five hundred. So you have these five hundred companies, and now the question arises: How do you proportionally represent these five hundred companies in the fund? Do you um, just give 500 companies each an equal share? Do you um, weight it such that the biggest companies 
consume the largest proportion of the fund. So like if you were buying into, you know, the S&P 500 or whatever, or you're just buying into a fund, say, that had Apple in it. Mm-hmm. Apple is a huge company. So if you weighted by market cap, by, you know, uh, you would have an oversized proportion of Apple as compared to, say, if um, Netflix was in there as well. I understand. So the, the, um, the, the myth is that when, you, when these funds overweight companies like Apple because they have a large market cap, mm-hmm. um, you're actually too heavily invested in these companies like Apple, and it, it's a bad idea. It's not, it's not diversified. Like, like they're saying, like it could be better diversified, or that you're investing in these expensive companies, and it doesn't make sense. Like it's a, it's just a bad strategy. Okay. Um, and it's a myth for a reason, and it's because it's not true. And if you think of the market, right? So you think of people. Wait, are is, that, the, is the myth the argument that funds that uh, that, that they shouldn't? More, I'm sorry, go ahead. The the funds that invest more into bigger companies do better. Is that the myth? The myth is that um, funds that do that will not do better. So Got funds it. that that ha- overweight Apple because it's big. I'm not not like overweight, but they have it's a larger proportion of Apple because Apple is proportionally big. Yes, I get it. They're saying that that is not appropriate. Okay, that is not the best way to do it, and I'm and it's so a what myth. Is, what is the best way to do it? So that is a great way to do it. And the reason why is... What, 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 what? Okay, dude. All right, okay. So we have... What's bad, what's good? Bad. Yes. Um, They are saying that proportioning Apple out to its size is bad. And it's a myth because it's actually good. So as opposed to having something like the S&P 500 evenly distributed in weight, all the 500 companies, (laughs) as opposed to the smallest company taking the smallest sliver and the biggest company taking the biggest sliver. All right. So, okay. I get it. So I'm going to just say we're going to talk about – and this is all like not real. But let's take a fund that is investing in the S&P 500 Mm -hmm. and let's assume – we buy one stock for all 500 companies and they're all in this thing. So there's a one stock for all 500, mm. right? That is so evenly generalized, you know, fine, right? You're saying that versus the same exact fund, but instead Apple has like five shares and everyone else has one because Apple is a bigger company. No, no, because because when you do it that way, you're doing it by share price. So so let me give you an example. Let's say in just fictitious numbers, Apple as a company is worth $50, the total of the company, right? Okay. Nike is worth $20, right? And Adidas is worth $30. Okay. And Adidas is worth more than Nike only because a listener wrote in and complained and they worked for Adidas. So now now we're we're waiting them higher. (laughs) So so we have a total of $100 and Apple's worth 50, Adidas worth 30, Nike's worth 20. Now, if I had a fund and I invested $100 in this fund, you would think that if we proportioned it properly, Mm -hmm. 50 of those dollars would be invested in Apple, 20 in Nike, 30 in Adidas because that would be exactly – proportion to their size or 
what you could do is you can invest $33 in Adidas, $33 in Nike, $33 in Apple. Got it. So if we invest that way, it's like an even distribution. Yes. And if we invested the first way where Apple got $50, that would be based on market like capitalization, like the, the, the weight. Yes. And so people are saying that um, you shouldn't invest $50 in Apple because then you overweight Apple. You're I too understand. much into Apple based on its what They're, it's they're saying you shouldn't, but you're saying – that, that you, you should. should. They're, okay. they're saying that you should not necessarily divide right. it evenly, but there's other ways to do it. So I understand. I, this is, yeah. But this is in index funds. Right. So there and are certain index, index funds that do that kind of weighting? Yeah. So, for example, the Dow yeah. weights its index differently than the S&P 500, and there's, there's different methodologies towards indexing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but does like Vanguard do it differently than, say, Fidelity funds? So um, the interesting thing is that the reason why Vanguard funds are so cheap and the reason why they're so successful is Vanguard doesn't actively invest. Vanguard mirrors an index. These indexes are not created by Vanguard. Uh-huh. They're like collective indexes of the stock market, like the collective wisdom. And you know, So when you think of the S&P 500, it's not like some dude just picked 500 companies. They're the 500 largest companies yeah. in the S&P 500. Right, like, right. And, and they got they've, there they've, because they've, they were great companies and they grew big. And, right, you know, they've, they've rose to the top. Right. So the thing is like you have – the indexes like wind up being founded based on methodologies – like, for example, we, we discussed in a previous episode, Dividend Aristocrats. Mm-hmm. That is an index fund that is populated automatically based on these companies that pay dividends for, tw- you know. Yeah. I mean, listen but are, to the episode. Are, yeah, but are they weighted, these funds? So, so they, they all weight differently okay. depending on. and the, the So point- how do you find out which ones are weighted in the way they should be and which ones are weighted in the way they should not? Um... That's a great question. Okay, and I I think that uh, we need to do like an article or an episode on that. I was gonna well see, and that's the thing. I just want to know. You're saying that you want a fund to weight it correctly. So okay, so how do the, you find those funds the, that are? They're saying correctly? that. Oh yeah. So okay, we're gonna have to yeah do a separate thing on that. But the the point is is like when it's weighting based on market cap, it's mm-hmm. it's a quote unquote natural weighting. Okay. Right. Yes. Apple is a big company. Yep. So they get a larger share of the index. Mm-hmm. You know, the index investments. And the reason it's great is because, and there's like stats and data to prove this. The reason it's great is because if you think of the stock market, we're thinking of probably well over a billion investors, right? All col- basically collaborating to determine prices because they're investing. So. Tons of highly sophisticated investors are throwing their money in, and the reason Apple is valued at this and Tesla is valued at this and whatever is due to the collective wisdom of a massive amount of highly sophisticated investors. Mm -hmm. And to say that that collective wisdom is not true because these highly sophisticated investors, everyone is trying to find an edge. Everyone is trying to find the cheaper stock to make the quick buck. Right. And so what happens is because everyone's trying to do that, you get these prices that are quote unquote true prices. So to say that you are better than this collective wisdom is, is hogwash. Got it. To wrap things up, 
I'm sweating. <laughs> wait, wait, there's... Oh, wrap things up for Myth 4. No. I, I think Myth 4, we're going to have to uh, do some more investigating on how to find these sort of correctly weighted funds. Yeah, and what we'll do, we'll we'll describe and explain the funds and but in a separate episode. But yeah, I, wanna... I think that's a great, and I, and I think that particular one requires some sort of imagery to describe what that is and how it works. Yeah, I and think that's, that's an interesting. I you know I would have never thought that that was. Well, you know what? We'll do an article, and you'll create the imagery. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it'll I'll be it. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't see imagery for that one. All right, let's but do uh, myth number five. So myth number five is is to the thing that you first said mm-hmm. in the episode, and it's um, that index funds would underperform in bear markets. So they and, and when you say bear markets, that's that's when like um, two thousand eight, right? So Shitty bull market. bull is up, yep. you know, everyone's buying. Bear is down, everyone's selling. Got it. And uh, it goes back just to things that that we've said that. Um, it's incredibly difficult to time time the market, yep. whether it's going up or it's going down, and uh, it's very unlikely that active fund managers can even compete with their own private benchmarks. Just because to know when to buy and to sell, like no one knows what to buy and sell because if we did, we'd all be rich. Yeah. So, have you ever seen the movie Pi? Yeah. Pi with, with the crazy math dude. Yeah. It's like in black and white. Yeah, I love that movie. Okay, I have it on DVD. It's like, I love that movie too. See, I told you I watch movies. I know. It's, I'm surprised you've seen that one because that one's pretty obscure. I only watch like weird, crazy ass. Well, that movie, he, he uh, I think he uses the Fibonacci <laughs> He uses like some, he winds up like, he has like the page of stock prices. Yeah, and he draws and he a draws spiral. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's like um, what a conch shell is, you know, that yes, like yeah. outwardly increasing. And he like supposedly figures out. How to like, time the market. Yeah, yeah, and he makes it, like, and that's why people are, like chasing him. But and... he also has epileptic seizures, and it, it, uh, it's well, well, because he he got this crazy math skill from staring into the sun. Yeah, it's a uh, it's, <laughs> it's in black and white, and uh, it's by Darren Aronofsky, who same did, dude. Uh, I don't know if that's him, but he did Requiem for a Dream. He did Requiem and... for a Dream. He did The Wrestler. He did Black Swan. He mm-hmm. did that new movie Noah. Uh, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I like him. Um, Eh, if you want to, if you're if you're looking for it, it's about it has stock stuff in it. <laughs> there you go, actionable tips. Even at the end, go watch Pi and go learn how to time pie. the market. Yeah, Sarah, basically, yeah, crib notes. Stare into the sun. Uh, like yeah, long. don't do that. Although, you know, my dad told me the other day that uh, there's this technique. Oh my god, it's called sun gazing, hmm. where you <laughs> you can stare. You, I I actually tried to look this up and I couldn't find like anything to tell you how to do it or anything but there's this thing called sun gazing where if you stare into the sun you can like absorb enough vitamin d through your eyes that you don't need to eat well that's <laughs> like, a, this is a thing i swear to god <laughs> look up sun gazing i swear it's a thing my dad i was like that's bullshit no way <laughs> he's like yeah eyes? people used to people used to like stare like sort of into the sun and you know they said it's not. So is is that the best place to absorb vitamin D into <laughs> yeah. your eyes? Like it's the most receptive. Well, they say you know I I also read somewhere that sunglasses are bad because you don't get enough vitamin D and you're you know because you're blocking your eyes from absorbing the sunlight. But really, I, yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, you know, um, can don't you do st- an article on this for us? Yeah, no, <laughs> don't stare into the sun. But if you want, look up star, stung, sun gazing. Mm. It was interesting. Uh, so I mean, is that is that all the myths you you've gone through all five? 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to have obviously do some more. I mean, I was kind of confused with some of them, but I think I got the – I think the best one I think was the um, higher cost and higher ratings equals higher returns. Yeah. I like that one because, yes, I would have gone on the Morningstar and looked at funds that were five-star and be like, absolutely. Like when that's really, been decided. Yeah, when you really should just look for the ones with the lowest fees mm-hmm. and – you that. should do. You should investigate like uh, how it, the fund works, and then maybe check the stars for interest. You know, and I, I after we talk to the mad scientists, I'm I like really want to get into like IRAs and stuff, and I definitely want. I'm like hardcore. I'm like I can't yeah. even believe I w- we got schooled hardcore. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into uh, like Vanguard funds for sure. Mm. I think that's my next move. But all right, so that's it. Cool. All right. So, guys, email us any questions. I'm sure you're going to have some. Uh, listen, money matters at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, you can, if you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can ask questions in iTunes. That's fine. If you mm. want to leave a review, um, but it's a question, leave the question in the reviews because we mm. see them. We read them every single day. So, yeah. obsessively. Uh, yeah. So, if, you, if that's easy for you to do, great. Uh, and I'm going to read a review from iTunes. It's a five-star review from Krista RX. Great podcast, Krista says. I'm hooked on listening to personal finance podcast. I am so glad I found these guys. They are super down-to-earth and entertaining. So much more entertaining than Dave Ramsey. Keep up the good work. <laughs> yes. Eat it, Dave Ramsey. Eat it. Eat my shorts. No, but thank you very much, Krista, for that re- wonderful short perfect review it's all we need and Mm -hmm. like i said you can ask questions in there too last but not least if you want to learn more about personal finance and money management and index funds and we're obviously gonna have to create some graphics for the market weight thing Mm -hmm. market cap weighting so um you can find out our new oh my god i lost my train of thought uh go to listenmoneymatters.com all our shit's on there and we we even did some redesign tweaking and by we i mean matt and then i just gave ideas so (laughs) we did some quote-unquote tweaking tweaking exactly it was really late there were candles involved uh (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's it thanks again for hanging out with us and we look forward to the next episode so later andrew Later, Matt.